I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Today, we're talking about why Hinge Health is dead, and they are moving into house calls, all that and more. We're speaking with Brian Williams today. He's been on the show before. He's the owner of Concierge Physical Therapist. You can check them out, conciergephysicaltherapist.com. Don't get confused because I own conciergepainrelief.com, but both concierge physical therapists, concierge practice owners, Brian is down in the, the Dallas area. I'm up here in New York City. Brian, what's going on? Good morning, Dave. Good to see you. Good morning. So we uh, actually, you sent this to me back in, I don't know, January or February, this link yeah, of, uh, sure. and I'll pull it up in a second. So Hinge Health launches physical therapy house calls. You sent it to me. My immediate response was, either some combination of surprise or some combination of laughter because yeah. my original thought was if their technology was so good and we'll get into a little bit of backstory. I know you have some more information on it, but if their technology was so good in delivering telehealth, virtual PT, whatever we're calling it, if their technology was so great and I know it's a little bit more B2B and you know, you and I are a little bit more uh, B2C with consumers, if their technology and their offering and their experience was so great, why the hell would Hinge Health move into house calls? Yeah, huge, huge shift. It's really a completely different business when you get down to it, for sure. Another thing we're going to cover, Tony Mertado, he posted a couple things, commented recently. I disagree with him on a couple things. I love him, Tony. We love you, but I disagree. We're going to cover a little bit of uh, virtual PT versus in-person physical therapy. And the in-person could be brick and mortar, but Brian and I are mostly concierge. So our therapists are going to patients. That's a little bit of his business as well. So Brian, you sent this over to me. Why did you send this? Yeah, well, well, like you, when I saw it, you know, it raised some questions in my head immediately. First, I want to say none of those questions stemmed from a sense of competition or like, oh, my business has this new problem. It was more of a, a wondering why. Why would they do this? I mean, the viewers out there that don't know much about Hinge, they've been around since 2015. So relatively new company, you know, going on eight years, they've raised their Series E or just pulled off a Series E round of funding uh, upwards of, well, let's put it in the $1 billion range of funding total. Mid-2021, I've heard of valuations in the $3 billion range. They had planned on an IPO in 2022, which did not happen. And then early 2023, this year, you know, they throw this information out there that they plan to offer now in-home physical therapy services, starting in their, their headquarters, their home base of Chicago, and then expanding into their other markets. So when I saw it, you know, obviously with the space that you and I are in with our businesses, it, it just made me wonder, made me wonder why they would be doing this. Ultimately, as you said, if there's something going on with their core business model, that's not as successful as they had thought or planned, this would be an indication of that. 
And I think, too, you know, when you look at the space in general for digital care, um, telehealth, whatever you want to call it, it's a crowded space. I mean, Hinge is one of the big ones. There's other ones out there like Sword, Upswing, Recovery One, Dario Health. The list really goes on and on. So it's just it raised a lot of questions in my head when I saw it. Yeah, for sure. So Hinge Health a little bit here, accessible at 25 million members across 1,200 customers, Hinge Health is the number one digital clinic for joint and muscle pain delivering superior member outcomes and proven claims reductions. I could see a little bit of, you know, we don't have the data in front of us and I don't know if the the data is available. I could see how there would be some claim reductions potentially where you can kind of interface with a digital physical therapist or or who knows, we're going to get into that. Are they actually using physical therapists or not? We're going to get into that. But if they were delivering superior member or patient or client outcomes, they're not saying patient or client or they're saying member. So again, Mm -hmm. a little bit of nuance here, but if they are delivering such great outcomes, it makes no sense why a digital platform, the number one digital clinic, why, Mm -hmm. if you you say you're a tech company, why are you moving into in-person house calls, which is our, you know, like, again, it's not necessarily about competition. There's enough patients and clients and, and consumers to go around, but it makes no sense for the number one digital clinic to move into in-person house calls. It's like Amazon moved into doing home care and I think they then got out, but they were doing home nurses or home health aides or something, but then they got out of it. Um, We've seen this a little bit from folks like Amazon and others where it started as a website and then they now are popping up some, you know, like Amazon go stores, but there's like no people that work in the stores. You can just like scan your phone, your app, your Amazon app right. in and out. You can just go right. buy milk and eggs and whatever and just walk out. So Amazon's testing that a little bit, but I don't understand if you're the greatest number one digital clinic with a great offering, why move it, into it gets, in-person visits? It, it, get, it gets back to that question, you know, when I first saw this article. I mean, again, if you look at the timing of this, you know, this this was presented press release early 2023. So we're going on four months ago. You look at that combined with the planned IPO at some time in 2022, which did not happen. You look at their, you know, frankly bloated self valuation of three billion dollars. You know, going on a billion dollars in, in total funding. The questions that come up, you know, first are: Are these investors not seeing enough revenue in the initial core business model? Is there not enough margin in that that business model? And I think ultimately it gets back to a conversation what, that we've had and, and Tony would, would love to be here to talk about this, but really what is the place of technology and digital, digital care, digital clinics in the healthcare model for physical therapy in general? And, you know, you and I are in agreement that I think ultimately people want face to face interaction with, with their healthcare provider. They don't want to have Zoom, Zoom calls and, and FaceTime calls to, to pull this off. They want someone that really is invested in that relationship with them. And that's very difficult, if not impossible, to pull off in a digital and telehealth component. Yeah. And, and I think the only... You and I, I want an in-person experience with my healthcare provider. I think the only exception is when it's something very transactional. I think you mentioned either yeah. a pre-interview or here on the show where we we're talking about like antibiotics or a Z-Pack or something that's very like transactional where I don't care if it's a Physician, sure. a physician assistant, you know, some nurse extender, I, whatever, whatever it might be. If I get mm-hmm. that thing that I need, I'm looking for that little transactional thing, and I don't really care about the delivery. In terms of a one-hour visit, whether digital or in person, if you're getting a one-hour visit for back pain or sciatica 
or shoulder rotator cuff tear or just shoulder pain or knee pain or whatever, and you're seeking physical therapy, our core service, I believe, and I think you would agree that there is a lot of the communication, the rapport building. It is a relationship. So the fact that Hinge Health and all these others kind of popped up after the whole explosion of like Uber and Lyft and all these other services, you can't necessarily make the Uber or Lyft for physical therapy. Now, I know that's what Hinge and Sword and all these others are pitched their investors, but it's not the same thing when someone just pulls up with a car. We don't even care really who it is. You know, we go to the destination, they take us there, our accounts in, in the platform, it's done. And then it's over with versus if someone has back pain, they're going to need six, eight, 10, 15, who knows how many visits, right? So it's not completely comparable. And I think that is why Hinge, and like you said, it might be for a little bit of a revenue boost. They might say, and I'd be curious if they're, you know, they had to go out and get other physical therapists or did they get some of their virtual physical therapists and say, hey, we need you to do some home visits or we, you know, we're going to do some testing and we're going to spin up some landing pages and ads or whatever. And, you know, have house calls offered by their virtual physical therapist. So that's like a whole other situation. But yeah, it goes back to if it were so great, why move into the space away from a core tech offering? You know, Uber and Lyft have different offerings, but the core offering is what it's always been. And so that really hasn't changed. And it's again, it's very transactional. You and I agree that it's more of a relationship scenario. And then some of the things that Tony Maritato was saying is that there is some place, and I, I know you kind of hinted at this, like what's the place of technology? What's the place of of AI or artificial intelligence or or any other technology in in healthcare? And not to you know steer your thunder, but I think you you mentioned that technology is is greatest served or used more on the practice management side, which I definitely agree with as well. But in terms of like delivering care or delivering the core service or helping someone with an outcome that they want to get back to CrossFit, they want to get back to playing with their kids pain-free again, whatever. It just, it just, there's a disconnect for me in terms of like, absolutely getting that in a, in a virtual setting. Yeah. You know, the tech component I think is really successful in the healthcare world in, in helping with the ancillary administrative type things. I mean, whether it's, you know, scheduling, whether it's having those, text components where you can you can use HIPAA compliant software to deliver messaging, you know, EMRs, all those things that, you know, at the end of the day, make it easier for healthcare providers to deliver the core service, which is the one-on-one in-person aspect of, of healthcare. But when you look back at some some names of, of tech things that have come and gone, you look at Google Glass, you look at even the metaverse and even AI has had a, a large pushback on in the last couple of weeks. I think ultimately people are, are wary of these things. I mean, again, I believe there is a component that is very successful in the healthcare world that uses technology almost exclusively. But for the clinical care, the the actual nuts and bolts of of who we are as healthcare providers, that's always going to be best delivered in person and with that relationship that your business and my business has really been successful focusing on is that relationship aspect of the care. Yeah. So another thing that Tony Maritato mentioned recently is that he believes that there's some percentage of folks that don't want manual therapy. I think so. He said himself now he's a physical therapist, a practice owner. He's very experienced. He can probably ease or reverse or, you know, treat his own orthopedic issues. I'm sure he does that all the time. Mm -hmm. Tony said something like there's some percentage of folks that don't want manual therapy or they don't want handheld contact, whether it's 
he didn't even say why, but I'm I'm just assuming like maybe people that had some history of, of abuse or some issues or sensitivity issues or I don't know, some reason as to why they would not want hands-on care. I know a lot of people love hands-on care in terms of either the physical therapy or, you know, it could be manual um, massage therapy, whatever. Like a lot of people like that. And there, you know, there's research where there's some beneficial aspects to it. So when Tony said that recently on Facebook, I said, well, it made me think like, do I have a bias here where maybe I've just never interacted with people who don't want manual therapy? Maybe they've never come to the clinics that I used to work at. Maybe they yeah. never, those types of people never reach out to practices like you or I. And, and then I'm thinking like, wait, I think Tony Maritato is wrong, but like, is he right here? Because yeah. maybe uh-huh. those people never reach out to practices like yours or mine. And maybe right. they are perfectly suited for the hinge healths and the swords of the world. What do you think? Yeah, I think that gets back to one of the foundational questions about physical therapy and physical therapists and how they practice is you know, really, what is the profession and how does it operate within the healthcare spectrum? I mean, if you're looking at a patient that does not want to be touched, they just want to be exercised to death. The question is, why aren't you seeing a personal trainer? Because ultimately, when you have a physical therapist that practice in that same way, those physical therapists are essentially overeducated personal trainers, in my opinion. And that said, the whole telehealth component, like a hinge health Really, that's the only way they can deliver, quote unquote, digital care through an exercise based protocol. They're not there in person to be doing manipulations, mobilization, stretching, cueing, all those types of things that involve the hands on component. So I think it gets back to, like I said, that sort of foundational question about how the market sees our our services. What does the consumer believe physical therapy is or is not? And beyond that, you know, it's also how do physical therapists practice? You know, we, we were talking in the pre-interview, we get a ton of, of job applicants and, you know, unsolicited emails asking to join our team. And if they have something in, in that cover letter about, hey, I want to join your team as a telehealth therapist and deliver the best telehealth care possible, I immediately trash that email. I am not looking for for that type of therapist in our practice. I doubt you are in yours. It's just something that that's not how we operate. I do think that there is potentially a way for a exercise-based physical therapist to latch on to that thought process. But ultimately, I don't think the outcomes are going to be really that amazing. And it gets back to the question, why aren't these people just using a personal trainer to get those exercises? in terms of these types of consumers in general or the consumers that go through like a hinge health, because I, with you and I, well, like we're attracting consumers. So we're, we're getting in front of yeah. people that are, at least for me, like you can fill in the gaps, but for me, it's like a lot of our new patients that see the word of mouth or it's through Google or Google maps and things like that. So we're sure. attracting people sure. that are consumers. We may not know them at all. They may not know us at all. They're reading our reviews. They're looking through our website, whatever. Then they're reaching out versus the, pathway of hinge health or sword or all these others where it comes through the employer and it's like an employee wellness plan or employee benefit or whatever. Right. Yeah. So that's an interesting component that I wanted to bring up. So I want to get back first to describe exactly how a hinge health operates. Okay. So they are not a B2C business. They don't have Google ads. They're not looking for inquiries from their, their website or phone calls. They have marketed their services to health insurance companies, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Cigna, United Health, the big ones, 
and large institutional businesses. You listed some of them, L.O. Bean, AutoZone, Salesforce. So, you know, they've done very well in that aspect of their business and the development. What they're actually delivering, and I'm going to pull up something that I found on, this is from Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas website. Uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas does partner with Hinge, and it, it I'm going to read it word for word here. It says, what, what is Hinge Health? Hinge Health is an exercise therapy program designed to address chronic knee, back, hip pain. Okay. They go on to say the program includes personalized exercise therapy. It goes on to say that you will get one-on-one health coaching. Who is that health coach? Your health coach is an accountability partner, and they will work with you throughout the program through text, emails, and video, 15-minute video calls. Now, if you look at that, the wording, okay, which is very important there, first, exercise therapy is used multiple times. Never is physical therapy used. Physical therapist is not used. Health coach is your accountability partner. Who knows what a health coach is? I know there's certifications for health coaching, but... Nowhere in the the verbiage of this description does any type of healthcare provider, licensed healthcare provider, does that come into to play with what they're describing? So it makes you wonder what percentage of these hinge healthcare virtual exercise musculoskeletal exercise clinic, how much of that is really being driven through a physical therapist versus a, a personal trainer or a health coach? I don't have the answer for that. And my suspicion would be that, especially when they're partnering with a health insurance company, you know, my suspicion would be if they're not here already, I would suspect that the insurance company is going to drive that patient with knee pain, with low back pain initially to something like Hinge. Like, oh, you have low back pain. We're not going to approve your 12 physical therapy sessions until you try this Hinge program. And I think there's, Two ways to look at that. One, I think that could be a tremendous advantage for the patient. If, if it's as simple as, you know, they have a stenotic low back case, hey, get on your, your flexion exercises and start to open up that stenotic segment. Sure. That, that's a fairly easy situation. But again, you don't know if that's being delivered through a personal trainer or a physical therapist in that case. The other situation that can happen there is just, you know, the other side of the coin, which is, something being missed because it's not in person. You're not in the presence of a healthcare provider who knows how to differential diagnose that can say, oh, you have a massive, a massive herniation, L4, L5. You need to have, you know, you need to get imaging and go through the the next steps with the proper healthcare providers. And if if that's being delayed because health insurance companies want you to to go through the hinge, the hinge avenue in an attempt to probably save money at the end of the day, I think that's a huge problem. Yeah. Good point on bringing up the, I mean, it's almost, it's almost savvy in a way where they've come across a way to deliver this type of thing, probably at very low cost because they have these health coaches. So we don't know, are these, are these actual personal trainers? Are they people that just have like a bachelor's degree in whatever? Yeah. Like who, yeah. who are these? Or, or not even, or not even, or, or not even, or not even. Now yeah. you and I, we would agree that someone that's going through some type of ortho issue or neuromuscular or ortho neuromuscular issue, musculoskeletal issue, we know, and we would probably, you would probably agree with me that those types of folks do need some amount of accountability. Now, when they're going to one about my physical therapist or your physical therapist, that's where the scheduling comes in and they'll schedule the plan of care out maybe two times a week or three or once a week, whatever it is. But then that client, that patient 
is now being held accountable to the schedule of this in-person physical therapy. They have to schedule time for one of our physical therapists to come to their home or whatever the you know sure. third-party location might be. Sometimes we go into offices. Sometimes we go into different wellness studios, whatever it might be. In your cases, you guys have the clubs. So whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But if it's the digital offering... You know, I could see why they really, they probably even need more accountability because the person is not, they're not expecting, they know that they're not getting some in-person interaction. If, you know, you're coming to New York City in the near future, right? It's like, that's on my schedule and you and I hopefully can meet up. And because of that physical interaction, that is on my mind more versus like this Zoom call where it's like, you know, yeah, we're going to jump on the Zoom call and do it. But like, you know, it's virtual. It's like, it's not the full feel. It's not the full effect sure. of, of meeting it's, you in person. It's not the experience. And, you know, let's be honest, most people have whatever, five, six Zoom calls, phone calls a day. That So it, it gets lumped into the day-to-day versus like, oh, I, I need to spend this time on myself, on my situation with the guidance of, of someone that's invested in the relationship, invested in the outcome. And as you put it, it's much less transactional when you're delivering care in person. So, you know, Hinge claims to have amazing outcomes. I think in, in an interview I saw with their CEO, he was suggesting 60 to 70% clinical outcomes, whatever, you know, you, you want to look at that. What does outcomes actually mean in that situation? Two out of three surgeries prevented. And, you know, look, there's a lot of ways to massage and and oh, yeah. you know move statistics around to benefit your your position. But, you know, I would ultimately suggest that, Delivering any healthcare service via a telehealth service or, you know, digital clinic or whatever you want to call it, that the outcomes are not going to be as, as strong as they are for in-person care. And think about these members or whoever, you know, through the B2B businesses, the, the actual employees of the LLB and the AutoZone, whatever that Hinge Health is using, these members, they're going to report like, oh, yeah, it was okay. Or, you know, I did these exercises and the experience was good or whatever. That's only going to they're only going to be getting reports of people that are actually, like you said, like the higher level cases that like maybe just get better through some time guided exercise or some time. Right. Yeah. The people that really need care, that need hands on manual therapy or that they need, I don't know, modalities, if you do modalities or whatever it might be or traction or what or, you know, just like or the the members, the employees that want to go and do in-person physical therapy. Those people never get through the whole plan of care of a hinge health experience. So then at the end, everyone that's grading the experience are those right. higher level people that either, like Tony Maritato said, the people that don't want in person, they don't want manual therapy, they don't want to go anywhere, they don't want to have someone come to them. Maybe they're nervous about COVID and or just just different things that could spread or whatever. But the people that get to the end of that satisfaction survey with hinge health or swords of the world or whatever. Those are the people that are like the high level, like they're getting, you know, moderately or or they're getting better through mobility drills, yeah. exercises, things that they can just watch on a video, which arguably you could just type into YouTube and do the same type sure. of thing. Now, if those, right. like you said, just to recap. So if those people get better, great. Like there's less of a cost on the healthcare system. Those types of people never end up in the medication injection surgery, you know, spiral. So that's great. But of course, those reports are going to be massaged because the people that get to the yeah. end of those, you know, net promoter score questionnaires or or whatever, yeah. how is this experience? It's going to be the people that like, you know, don't want or don't need in-person care. And the, the members, the employees that do want what you and I offer, they're not going through that whole experience. They're going to opt out. They're going to say, this sucks. This makes no sense. Like, yeah. 
this is stupid. These exercises, like, yeah, I, I did some of these exercises and I still had my back pain. I did these exercises. Yeah, or I made it worse. Yeah. Or I made it worse. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. And I think there's a great point to that, you know, talked about the bias and, and perhaps us not understanding the market because of where our businesses are positioned. There's total bias in those report outcomes. I mean, if if someone tweaks their back because, you know, they're 50 years old and they decided to to go skiing for the first time, well, give them six weeks and some pretty basic exercises that it's going to more than likely get completely better. <laughs> so of course, they're going to go through a program and say, Oh, okay, this was great. You know, I, I didn't have to go to a, a physical therapist and have to go to a physician. I used to do these exercises. It's great. But ultimately, they probably didn't need to do that to begin with. So yeah, another thought would be the consumers who have some type of an elective surgery or even a traumatic surgery. So I will, I'll mention the folks that have surgeries that reach out to us in the New York City area, whether Recently, like some traumatic injuries with surgery or it's an elective surgery. It could be knee replacement, shoulder surgery, mm -hmm. ankle surgery, ligament repair, whatever it might be. For us, it seems like those types of patients are like they like are hyper vigilant about making sure that they're getting what they want. They're asking sometimes they're asking oh, yeah. for like, you know, they're asking for reviews, resumes. They're looking for CVs. They're asking for, you know, can I speak with your physical therapist first to kind of make sure that they have experience in my type of surgery, whatever. So yeah. have you seen that? Because the reason why I'm asking is because those patients, I'm hoping, I would assume like Hinch Health, there's no way that the consumer would trust that, right? That doesn't, ha that doesn't, ha that doesn't happen. Yeah, we have seen that, you know, the concierge physical therapist was started in Washington, D.C. And if there's ever been a city that's more hyper-focused on resumes and CVs, it's Washington, D.C. So initially, I used to get quite irritated about that, you know, when, when someone wanted to schedule and I assumed the transaction had gone well. It's like, okay, you're on my schedule. I'll start to see you. And they'd follow up with, oh, do you have a CV or any letters of recommendations or a resume I could look at? And like, you know, really? But, you know, I think looking at the hinge services, that's not going to happen. You know, the consumer does ultimately doesn't care. Getting back to your analogy with Uber, you know, very transactional. I don't know about you, but when I needed Uber or a Lyft, I don't look up who I had previously because it was such a great car ride to the airport. I just hit the button and I don't worry about it. So, you know, different level of service for sure. And what I want to really get back to is the initial you know, reason for this, this discussion. And, you know, you mentioned starting off is hinge health dead? Why this transition to home, to home care? I think ultimately when you kind of wrap this all up and you look at it from a 30,000 foot perspective, you know, the core model of a digital care clinic, a telehealth clinic, I think it has had a flash in the pan. I mean, tech had a super frothy stretch there coming out of COVID Every investor was hyper, hyper excited about this and this and that. But as we have come out of that crazy two-year period of, of people wanting to stay home or needing to stay home or whatever, the world is returning to more of a flatline, stable position. And I think that the companies that have put themselves in this remote slash digital slash telehealth position almost exclusively, they're going to have trouble. And I think this is an indication of that. Again, we don't have financials. We don't know, you know what's going on. But I would suspect that after such a huge third, fourth, fifth round of funding, pushing a billion dollars, that at some point, you know, these investors were looking at the revenue numbers, the trajectories, and 
they're like this, you know, yes, this has been quote unquote successful in, in the short term, but if you're going to push this out into an actual viable business that's lasting 15, 20, 30 years, it's probably not, not there. Whether it's the revenues in general or the margins on those revenues, you know, who knows? But I think ultimately there was probably some realization that there had to be a, some sort of pivot. And, you know, they've decided that the in-home physical therapy visits are the way to go. And just to continue on that. So I think I'm saying that they were dead. I'm saying they're dead because. Yeah. Would not surprise. Because, because, because they're not a tech company. Right. right, right. I don't think it's not a pure play technology company, even before they're masquerading as a technology company. Mm -hmm. Same type of thing with Luna, Luna people, Luna physical therapy. There's no difference between concierge physical therapist, concierge pain relief, Luna PT, because you get your patients through Google. We all do like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. so I'm a tech company. And so now instead of, you know, selling for X multiple, I want to sell it 20 times revenue or something because I use a website and I use Google ads and now Luna build out like a little EMR and therapists do notes or whatever through there. But like, okay, so yeah. Brian and I, we can go acquire an EMR. We'll go acquire an EMR company. And we could just put a little white label on it and say, you know, concierge, physical therapist or whatever. And now we're a tech company, but we're delivering the same service, the in-person visits. That's not a tech company. Yeah, I agree. And I I would caution, you know, any practice owner out there. And I've seen this in talking with other practices in the past couple of years that the whole concept of tech and the world of tech, I think there's such a misconception about what that sector is and what it does. I mean, you know, like you said, just because you have a website and you use some software doesn't make you a tech company. And, you know, expand on that to deliver a healthcare service through exclusively through technology, I think is a complete mishmash of, you know, principles of ideals of, of really what the consumer needs. And I've seen other healthcare practices where, you know, even the way they're structured, whether it's from a management position or how they approach their day to day, they clearly think they're a tech company. And, you know, it kind of sounds sexy and it looks sexy because, yeah, as you said, they have their own EMR, their own scheduling, blah, blah, blah. But I think largely the consumers don't care about that stuff. They want to look at you in the eye, tell you what the problem is, how it's been affecting their life. And you look them back in the eye and you say, this is how I can help you or how I can't help you, or this is our plan of of what's going to happen next. And nearly impossible to pull off without that in-person relationship. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Just to recap, any final thoughts, any closing remarks here? I mean, I think we've uh, pretty much hit on our beliefs We've even yeah. admitted some potential biases, which I think is important. It is. You and I are in a lot more in agreement than we are with Tony Maritato. So Tony Maritato has the two locations, uh, brick and mortar offices in Ohio, but he does a whole bunch of other technology stuff, a lot of uh, creative content. Right. And he mentioned a couple of those things. And that's why I wanted to bring that up. Any final remarks just in terms of your business, our style of business, consumers yeah. up here in general? Yeah, sure. I mean, just to get back with Tony, and I mentioned this in the pre-review, I think he's done a great job as with delivering digital content as an adjunct to his physical therapy businesses. You know, digital content, I think, is different than what Hinge Health is offering, different than what Sword is offering. Okay, they're, they're not they're not the same. 
So I do think there is an aspect for a physical therapy business owner to look at the potential for these types of services. You know, the example being you're seeing a post a post knee replacement patient, and yes, they're getting home exercise program, but hey, for a hundred dollars, I can give you lifetime access to our whole suite of YouTube videos, and that's available to you. That that's a different model in my opinion, than, you know, what Hinge and what we've been talking about is offering. And, you know, ultimately, when you look at at our businesses, I think we're very well positioned as any, any physical therapist or healthcare provider out there that is invested in the relationship with your clients, with your patients, is invested in that patient experience. Jerry Durham, love you. That's what it's about. Okay. You want your clients and your patients to feel like this has been from that first touch point to them leaving your clinic for the last day to be just an amazing experience. And that starts with phone calls, the emails, you know, the accessibility to therapists and other staff members. If you focus on those aspects of your business model, you'll be successful. Yeah. Love it. As a final remark, I will mention. So I just heard, I don't know if you heard this episode, but. Tony Maritata was on Jerry Durham's podcast recently. Did you hear that interview? That I, I saw, I did not listen to it, but I saw they were together. Yeah. Here's something interesting. Tony is going to get a laugh out of this in that conversation. So Tony has, and, and I don't get anything for it, but he's got a learn Medicare billing.com uh, zero to paid course four or 500 bucks. Great investment. Awesome course. Tony mentioned that he does like a rolling enrollment of this course. So he's got a bunch of modules already recorded in video that the course attendees can go and watch these modules anytime. But Tony admitted, now, Tony, you're going to laugh at this. He admitted on the Jerry Durham interview that he does it every month or two with weekly or monthly Zoom calls with the attendees who are now newly purchasing the course. He said that the reason why he does that is because everyone has questions. Everyone has unique questions. Everyone wants that mm-hmm. one-to-one or the you know one-to-group, whatever. Everyone wants to ask Tony a specific question about their scenario, and they right. want that immediate feedback, that immediate response from Tony. That is no different than the <laughs> in-person right. or the one-to-one synchronous communication of either a physical therapist delivering a plan of care, a visit, whatever. So that I'll just leave it with that. That is something that Tony mentioned. And I, I, I got a chuckle out of it because I'm like, yeah, Tony, that's exactly what we're saying. Like people don't want that's what we're talking to go, about. they don't yeah. want to go log into some course and they don't want to go log into some hinge health platform right. and just do these, you know, stick figure, yeah. you know, exercises or watch a video, which they can just do on YouTube. Right. So they right, want right. that everyone has their own unique questions. They're going to say, you know, I have pain here. What about this? What about my mattress? What about my pillow? What do you guys recommend for mattress brands? Yeah. What yeah. do you recommend for shoes? Do you recommend ASICs or Hoka's or whatever? Like everyone has unique mm-hmm. questions and they want, they want a trusted person to give them feedback and responses sure. and they want to yeah. have that communication. Every, everyone, especially in the healthcare world, think, you know, every patient thinks that their case is special, that their situation is unique. And if you're a provider and you can, you can meet that energy, if you can answer those questions, especially if you learn how to scale it, it's a home run. You're absolutely going to be successful. If you learn how to cater to that mentality, everyone who's coming through your office is special and unique, even though they might not be from a clinical perspective. If you make them feel that way, you're built for success. Yeah. Perfect place to pause. Brian, I appreciate your time. If anyone is looking to work with you, check out concierge physical therapists.com. 
or they can reach out to you on LinkedIn or somewhere else on social media? Yeah, the website's definitely the best the best way to get to us. I don't do much LinkedIn, but you can also find me there. Excellent. Uh, if you're looking to work with us in New York City, in the New York City area, go ahead, reach out to us, conciergepainrelief.com. Subscribe to the Dave Kittle Show on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify if you find this insightful or valuable. This was like a little bit of a mix-up. This was like a little bit of uh, Dave Kittle Show news kind of thing. So we'll see how the, the response is. We would have loved to have Tony Maritato here on the show. He was busy at this time. We'll, we'll get him back on and maybe with you sometime in the future. Brian, appreciate your time. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com. Or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.